following program is a peer-to-peer -peer advice show and does not diagnose mental health conditions. If you're seeking social services, please call or text 211 or go to 211.ca. Hello, listeners on Saga 960 AM and those listening around the world on streaming and podcast services. This is It's Not Therapy. I'm Leanna Kersner, and I am not a therapist, but I am your source for practical advice for everyday problems using my top 10 sayings for checking in with your best self. This episode, we're going to talk about rituals, things that center and calm us in a crazy world. My guest this episode is going to be Dr. Gina Simmons-Schneider, a licensed psychotherapist and relationship expert who's going to talk to me about how rituals reduce anxiety. A ritual is not a mere routine. A ritual is a time where the rest of the world stops and you focus intently on what you're doing in that very moment, step by step, word by word. The specific details of a ritual. The complexity gets you to slow down, to still your mind, and create protected space to mark a moment. Now, even people who like novel experiences and a lot of change can thrive on rituals. I know I do. Entertainers who travel a lot, like I used to do, <laughs> tend to have pre-show rituals. They have dressing room requirements, other things that tame the chaos of jobs that require them to jump from city to city, room to room, hotel to hotel, right? That's regular personal rituals, but rituals can also mark major life milestones. They can give us permission to celebrate and give us structures to grieve. This past week was the Jewish high holiday period of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And Canadian Thanksgiving is also coming up. And during the lockdown years of the COVID pandemic, many people felt cut off from the world because they were denied those family rituals. And those rituals help them give life meaning and mark the passage of time. They matter. Some even argue that a reduction in rites of passage rituals have caused some people to struggle with their identity. The old religious rituals surrounding passage into adulthood, for instance, don't really match up with the realities, modern realities, of being in school until one's mid-20s or early 30s. The transition from college to a life of work just sort of happens and that's if you go to college at all. I find myself telling my younger personal clients that until you hit your 30s, life is a series of sprints. It's yearly school grades, graduations, applications, exams. Life is broken down into chunks of days, weeks, maybe months. But then suddenly you're in a job. You're paying rent. Life is a marathon. It's a slog. It's an endurance test marks in, in years. And there are far fewer predictable markers breaking up that time. So a lot of people struggle in their mid to late 20s and 30s. And it still strikes me that dating in your 30s has become this woe is me meme. It took me a while to understand that one. Dating in your 30s is dating as an adult. 
when you've got your own living space, your own money, your own schedule. But a lot of people see it as this miserable thing because, oh, now your choices are more limited and you have the dreaded emotional baggage, right? Let's talk about emotional baggage. Because I don't think emotional baggage is all bad. This is tangenting from rituals. Is tangenting a word? This is a tangent from rituals. There we go. But bear with me. Okay, emotional baggage. Yeah. Any lingering trauma that causes us to engage in self-destructive behaviors is a problem. Top 10 phrase, don't let problems that aren't your fault lead to mistakes that are. But all learning, all red flags from experience are not self-destructive. Problem is people have trouble distinguishing that good learning pain that results in wisdom and bad pain that comes from a lack of closure. And this period in the 20s and 30s that people are struggling with this even has a term now, a fleabag era. A fleabag era, like the TV show Fleabag, it specifically references the lives of women. But I think a lot of men and non-binary people can relate to this state as well. People are exhausted from Me Too style externalizing. And so people are just going numb. They're engaging in a form of dissociation and accept this identity as this perpetually pained being. And you can't be in pain all the time. So people are just periodically disconnecting from that pain through sex, alcohol, drugs, and hurting other people. And I personally had an issue understanding that this state was supposedly unique to women at first, because to me, that's Wolverine from X-Men. I understand this is a bit different, just because the world tends to default women into victim status. So the idea that some women are knowingly messing things up for other people, I guess that's something of a step forward. But Back to that good pain versus bad pain, right? If you're living a life that's a haze of pain, booze, hookups, frenemies, lather, rinse, repeat, I want to offer you an alternative. Validate your pain. Embrace the pain. And you can do that through rituals. Think of these rituals as doing something about the things you can't do anything about. Doing something about the things you can't do anything about gives your brain a sense of control. And control is very important to emotional equilibrium. So find items that represent the things you're struggling with. Put them in a box. You can get a pre-existing pretty box or decorate the box. Anything that makes the box seem meaningful to you. And then periodically, when you have that urge to flea bag all over the place. Take the objects out of the box. Look at them. Hold on to them. Add to them if you want. Destroy them if the urge takes you. Throw them out if you want. No one needs to know what you're doing but you. Now, what rituals like this do is they make your pain real. 
And that's what rituals do in general. They take abstract concepts and make them tangible through action, iconography, and gesture. Now, making your pain real, making your pain tangible is very important, especially if you're surrounded by people who are telling you you're just making too big a deal out of things. It's amazing how many people have friends that tell them they're making too big a deal out of things. Personally, I think those people aren't your friends if they're saying that to you regularly, but that's not up to me. Rituals are great at making things real in a world that increasingly causes us to doubt our perception. You have the right to shape and order your existence. Remember, top 10 phrase, healthy goals are based on things you can control. But so many of us feel like we have so little control over our lives right now, right? We're living in an era where our routines as well as our rituals, have been disrupted by the COVID-19 pandemic and, and surrounding circumstances. When COVID hit, we all sucked it up, especially here in Canada. Canadians just really stepped up. We made changes. We moved to work from home. We did the, you know, the online learning with the kids. We changed all the rhythms of our lives. We did our parts. We were good soldiers. And now that we've been doing that for a couple of years, some companies want employees back and now everybody just has to go back to the office even if they were more productive at home. I completely understand why people feel jerked around. You have been jerked around. This has not been handled well. People have not been treated like humans. Feeling despair in these circumstances, feeling numb, feeling out of control, feeling adrift is totally understandable. Especially since those office rituals that used to make work feel more like a home away from home, well, they're happening less and less now too. Sacrificed on the, you know, the... the altar of productivity and what's appropriate, right? Professional standards. I think you can tell how I feel about this. Because employers are not stepping up, because we've been disconnected from those more traditional rituals, personal rituals are that much more important if you're feeling adrift, if you're feeling numb, if you're feeling like a corporate cog, it's very important to build in experiences that give life meaning. Human beings, we aren't just our productivity. Just because we've lost so many of our large-scale social collective rituals, that doesn't mean we can't make new ones personally, with friends, with family. We can choose how we slow down, break up, and mark time. It makes the time feel more meaningful. Because meaning is very, very important to human brains. When we start to feel like things are meaningless, we start to feel anxious and depressed. 
We start numbing out or doing that stuff that isn't good for us or other people. And you're worth more than that. You are. You are worth more than that. So when we come back on It's Not Therapy, we're going to talk to an expert on reducing anxiety through rituals. Dr. Gina Simmons-Schneider. You're not going to want to miss this. This is a really great interview. And she's got a very soothing voice. You're not going to want to leave. After the break, stay tuned. It's Not Therapy. The following program is a peer-to-peer advice show and does not diagnose mental health conditions. If you're seeking social services, please call or text 211 or go to 211.ca. We're back on It's Not Therapy talking rituals, how they reduce bad feelings and anxiety and give meaning to our lives. And it's time once again for the It's Not Therapy interview. I'm here. I'm very, very stoked for this guest, guys. Dr. Gina Simmons-Schneider is a coping skills expert. She's a licensed psychotherapist, executive coach, corporate trainer, and she is author of Frazzle Brain, Break Free from Anxiety, Anger, and Stress Using Advanced Discoveries in Neuropsychology. And I think I could talk to Gina for hours and hours and hours, but... The interview this episode, we are talking to Gina about rituals and how rituals can be useful in maintaining and resetting mental health. So Gina, it's so thrilling to talk to you. Thanks for coming on It's Not Therapy. Thank you, Leanna. And I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for the invite. Thanks. Now, I'm a cat person, like a big cat person. Anybody that (laughs) follows me on social media sees all the cats. And cats are very ritualized little critters. Right. That's true. That's true. Ritual. People think of it as a religious thing, but it doesn't have to be. I know I have my daily rituals and I get very cranky if my morning coffee ceremony is disrupted. So (laughs) (laughs) I, I know my anecdotal experience, but you know the science. What is the benefit of ritual to mental health? Well, it's a great question. And and what's interesting about rituals is they're universal. I mean, every culture going back from the beginning of recorded history has rituals as part of their cultural norms. And what we find is that during times of uncertainty, which when is there times of absolute certainty, but Mm -hmm. when when we are going through stresses like we are with a pandemic and war in Europe and all these things that we worry about, rituals help us settle down, pay attention to the present moment, whatever the ritual is that we're doing. And it actually has measurable stress relieving properties. So um, we can do that on purpose. You know, we can say, okay, Um, For example, Dr. Wendy Suzuki, who um, specializes in neuroplasticity, how the brain kind of recovers from stress, and she's written great books like Good Anxiety and stuff. Anyway, she has this morning ritual where she does the tea ceremony. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my idea of making tea is I boil water and I unwrap the tea bag and I put it in the cup and I pour the water in. But you can make a whole ceremony out of tea and how you warm the tea first. And then you put so many scoops of the tea leaves into a container. And then you move that container from this side to the next side. And then you can make it a third. And it's literally a 30 minute 
meditation that she Mm -hmm. does every morning when she makes her tea. And what that does is that calms the nervous system. It puts us in a state of, of present moment awareness. We're not Mm -hmm. thinking five years ahead. We're not working on our retirement plan. We are just making tea or, um, you know, we are just, um, burning the candle and saying a prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, what's interesting about the studies is they found that religious rituals like reciting a rosary, for example, um, you know, can, can definitely relieve stress and it's measurable, both physiological and psychological stress. So even our physiological measures of, of, uh, the stress chemicals like cortisol and so on, mm-hmm. those actually go down when you recite the rosary. But what they found is that you can even make up a ritual, you know, just these researchers just made up a ritual, didn't come from anywhere, kind of looked a little bit like a magic Mm-hmm. some kind of magic thing and they found that that worked too so there's something about following a set of simple steps and procedures and being focused on that mindfully lowers our stress level and when we lower our stress level we get a whole bunch of other benefits we get increased awareness we get lower inflammation in our body uh, we get a um, better, uh, faster wound healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we've been, uh, if we're recovering from something like I'm recovering from a booster shot, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, I've got this swollen arm and, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm recovering, right? It's, it's not a big deal, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, m- calming my nervous system down helps my body recover. So, um, and rituals can be kind of fun. You know, mm-hmm. you can share them with other people. Um, I know we we um, have holidays, right? We have holidays that mark uh, the change of seasons or the equinoxes and the solstices that a lot of uh, religions have. Uh, mm-hmm. Like we have Rosh Hashanah right now that just started and the high holy days for uh, Jews. We've got uh, Hindu holidays happening now. Um, and they all have little little rituals it might be prayer, singing a song, lighting a candle. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do they all require? They all require paying attention, following a set of steps and slowing ourselves down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that actually, uh, is healthy. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because my reminder of how important rituals were, I mentioned my morning coffee. I was reminded a few months ago, I got, I got COVID and I lost my sense of smell. Mm. And there was actually this moment where, you know, I put my coffee on and I wait for it to fill the room and I'm puttering around the kitchen doing other things, but Mm. that coffee smell filling the room. I didn't realize how important a ritual it was to me until one morning I realized I can't smell the coffee Mm. and the amount of anxiety that that caused it it did hamper my ability to feel better faster i believe all that inflammation and all that stuff you talked about it sounds impossible until you experience it for yourself but the thing that shocked me so much about the importance of that is i'm not a person who thrives on routine mm-hmm. i get bored from routine 
but rituals they do have that you know uh, touching the sublime element and so i wonder mm-hmm. if you can explain to me how i can be a person who thrives on new experiences hate routines but connects so firmly to rituals and thank you for bringing that up because we all have different personalities right mm-hmm. there are people who just you know, they, they never want change. They want to eat at the same breakfast place. You know, they want to always have the same, um, and they're comforted by that. And, and that's perfectly fine. And then there are folks who are creative types like yourself Mm -hmm. and myself too, who like a lot of change and variety. Um, so that's okay. Uh, there isn't any right or wrong about that, but there is something for all types of personalities about making uh, making a process a little bit sacred and sacred in the sense of the word meaning separate, mm-hmm. separated from our everyday life, uh, separated from the um, the typical senses of responsibility that we have or the fe- or the feelings of pressure that we feel. Um, and, and a lot of times we tend to lean into those things. Stress will drive us to those things because maybe we can get away with not, not taking a moment to light a candle and say a prayer mm-hmm. until we're feeling so much distress and, and, and worry about a loved one who has cancer that we pull out our health candle that we got at a local, you know, metaphysical bookstore, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and we say a little prayer for their good health. We light a candle for them and we take a few moments to ritualize that. And that settles us down and it gives us a feeling, a little bit of a feeling of peace and comfort. And so I think that, that doing that intentionally and giving ourselves permission to set aside times for rituals mm-hmm. uh, is, can be part of a regular stress management you know, plan. Um, and you can vary those rituals if you're someone that needs a lot of change and variety, you know, it might mm-hmm. be a different candle. You might decide to do a, you know, a tea meditation. You could also, like you do with your coffee ritual, you call it a coffee ritual. I kind of have a breakfast ritual as well. It's one of the things that I look forward to every morning is my breakfast and my coffee. Mm-hmm. And I, you can do um, all of those normal, ordinary things, but if in a ritualized way, mm-hmm. um, for example, if I'm cracking two eggs, I could do it one at a time, or I can do it in a really mindful way where I want to do both of them at the same time, very carefully and not leave any eggshells in the, the bottom of the bowl mm-hmm. and, and, and scoop out very carefully my coffee beans into the grinder and, my little steps and follow them in an order where I'm just paying attention to one step and then the next step and then the next step. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and I'm doing it very slowly and deliberately with a bit of grace. Like when you watch people doing rituals, whether it's uh, religious ones in like Catholic ceremony, there's a, a grace to the movements because they're slow and deliberate. Mm-hmm. And and we can do that with pretty much any any anything in our life. We can ritualize it um, with with little steps and so forth. And I think what makes it stress relieving is we have to think about what we're doing, and we're intentionally 
thinking about it and not just mindlessly zipping through our day. Then you're not uh, thinking about that thing you have to do, that email you have to answer, that person you have to get back to. It's that pause. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's creating a little sacred space for just the present moment with your actions being deliberate and maybe even repetitive, you know? Um, Yeah. It's not, it's not just cognitive. It's physiological, isn't it? Yes. It's it's your body moving through space. Um, One of the things I learned in taking uh, mindfulness meditation trainings, I've taken quite a few different types of mindfulness trainings and one of the things they had us do was just walk mindfully mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. slowly and just they called it a sense and savor walk and what does that mean you you walk very slowly and pay attention to all your senses and what you're noticing mm-hmm. and smelling and savoring you know if there's something you something to see something to smell and what's really interesting about that is you find yourself seeing things like I found myself I'd been going to this nine-week training every every day every um Wednesday for nine weeks Mm -hmm. and I show up and uh during the sense and saber walk I actually saw a garden that I'd walked past for for nine weeks and never actually seen yeah because I was headed straight for the classroom where the class is you know yeah and I wasn't paying attention I wasn't really absorbing my uh, environment and and so so you can do that with just a simple walk um yeah in your own neighborhood and just no you know no earbuds in your ears no cell phone (laughs) yeah just and then just having that pure awareness of how am I moving? How am I standing? How am I breathing? What does that feel like to be moving through space, my own body? You know, that could become a ritual as well. And a lot of, you know, like there's the labyrinth ritual, you know, where you walk a, you know, a lot of the spas, the health spas will have this sort of maze or this labyrinth you can walk through mindfully. Right. It's just basically walking around in circles mindfully, you know, it's, it's, but but when you're really a hundred percent paying attention to the present moment without judging that moment, in other words, you're not saying I should be doing something else or this is stupid or this right. is lame, you know, or, um, but you're just noticing with a sort of flexible curiosity in your mind, um, your nervous system really settles down and you get some great side benefits from that. That music means we need to go to a break on It's Not Therapy. Hold over the break with Dr. Gina Simmons-Schneider. When we come back, de-woo-wooing, de-sort of new aging ritual. How do you connect to ritual, to the sublime, without feeling ridiculous? More on that in a bit on It's Not Therapy. The following program is a peer-to-peer advice show and does not diagnose mental health conditions. If you're seeking social services, please call or text 211 or go to 211.ca. We're back on It's Not Therapy talking to Dr. Gina Simmons-Snyder about rituals, reducing anxiety, everyday de-stressing, and 
I want to talk about language. I find it interesting, especially working with uh, men, how the language surrounding ritual is so important in overcoming that sort of psychological barrier. Because if, you know, they're going through it, this is stupid and they're just putting, it's not going to work, right? You have to feel that connection to something bigger. And professional sports, if you actually look at it like a form of ritual, you know, mm-hmm. Super Bowl Sunday, it's all, oh, the, yeah. you know, it's a special day where you take time and you have the, you know, the particular foods you serve and you invite yeah. people over. It's just a day to quote, you know, the Passover Haggadah, a night that is not like all other nights. All other nights. Right. right. So you have like these, you, you know, the the seventh inning stretch you right know, in, in baseball right we have the, and let's sing take me out to the ball game and we have all of these um uh societal and cultural rituals that are really healthy yeah and what does that do that makes us all feel connected we're in a stadium we're all singing the same song yeah. we're all standing up and stretching at the same time um, you know, or, or, you know, w- with Super Bowl Sunday, we're, we're all serving the same unhealthy food, right? <laughs> yeah, the artery clogging nachos. Yeah. Exactly. You know, but that's part of the whole ritual. Yeah. Right? It's got to be fun food. It's got to be finger food. That's right. That's so, right. So I think that those are connecting things too, that connect us to community. And um, that's also another um, stress relieving factor that I talk about in my book, Frazzle Brain, about relationships and doing things that are synchronized with other people Mm -hmm. that can be ritualized. It could be dance too, taking dancing lessons, which is, you know, ritualized movements in a way that are all done in sync or Mm -hmm. um, so those things can be very um, stress relieving and connecting and uh, help us feel a sense of community, which also eases um, our sense of um, alienation and the things that cause us to feel uh, overwhelmed with stress. Now, I do, when you talk about overwhelm and, you know, the, we have this pathologizing phenomenon with mental health, and I'm sure people listening are thinking about, well, what about things like, you know, obsessive compulsive disorder, where the rituals are part of uh uh, you know, a disorder instead of something that helps me. How do I know the difference? What do you say to people who have that question? Yeah, that's always a great question, Lana. And basically any behavior can, that, that humans do can be a symptom of a mental illness. And there are basically two, two measures that just mm-hmm. define whether it's a mental illness. Does it cause unbearable suffering? Mm-hmm. or or enormous amounts of suffering for you and the people that have to watch you. Um, And um, is it interfering with your daily life to such a way that it's interfering with your relationships, with your ability to work, Mm -hmm. with your ability to enjoy yourself? So for example, um, my husband and I, when we go on trips, we have our little checklist of, did we lock all the windows Mm -hmm. and doors and all the stuff? And we might get a block down the road and go, did we really lock the, you know, (laughs) and, and we come back and we check. Now that doesn't cause us any undue suffering. Right. Um, But then people with OCD will go a block again and did, 
and and have just locked the window and yep. now think I didn't lock the window. And so now you miss the airplane because you've spent two hours checking and you're not able to get to the to the trip. And you're experiencing undue anxiety and suffering that's so disruptive to your mm -hmm. nervous system. And it's annoying everybody around you too, because they're telling you, hey, chill. You know, I was there. I saw the oven is turned mm -hmm. off. Mm -hmm. um, and you're not, and you're not believing it, you know? So when that happens, when you're really suffering too much and, or it's starting to interfere with your, your personal life, with your ability to fulfill your obligations, uh, it's taking way too much time, you know, for mm -hmm. some people with OCD, it's five hours of behaviors before they can leave the, leave the house. You know, that is, is, um, a level of distress and a level of interference with your life that can be, dis you know, disabling. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's what we look at for any behavior. So you can be, you can be somebody that laughs really loud and a lot, and you're not, you're not having a, 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 a maniacal episode, but if you can't stop laughing for hours, right. Right. So, right. Right. So, right. And, and, and you're hurting and it hurts you so much and you can't stop. Right. Yeah. Now we have to intervene with a medical intervention. So, um, so any human behavior can be so extreme as to cause, you know, be a symptom of a mental illness. It doesn't mean that, I mean, I think quirks and eccentricities make us all really fun and interesting. I you know? completely agree. It's why I said in the show, you're crazy is only a problem if it's hurting you. It's only a problem if it's hurting you or others, right? right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's like, um, it, it, you know, and, the, and all the interesting characters that we love on television and in film, they all have some quirky thing, mm -hmm. right? They all have some, and we identify with that because we have our quirks, right? Yeah. We have our little things that we do that make us feel comforted or make us who we are. So I, I think that um, you're right. And language is important in giving, but also giving ourselves permission to pick meaningful rituals that, that mean something to us. And you've predicted my next question beautifully. My last, my last <laughs> question beautifully. Um, because we live in this world of productivity and normalization and professionalism there are going to be people who don't understand the rituals and can you know shame you for them or disrupt them what are what's your advice for maintaining that sacredness especially if you need something midday at work because you tend to get overwhelmed and you need that sort of proactive reset right at the end of lunch break or something like that how do people get that protected time and space and set boundaries so that they can do these behaviors? That's a great question. And I think it really, uh, we train ourselves first and then we train the people around us. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember going to a workshop uh, with a bunch of psychologists. It was a, a training and um, I invited the woman next to me to go join me for lunch. And she goes, um, no, I do my relaxation rituals during lunch, but thank you for the invitation. Mm -hmm. And she, um, you know, every day at lunch, she has her thing. She goes out to her car, she meditates, she does a little yoga stretch, 
and she rejuvenates herself. And I thought, well, that's cool. That's an interesting thing that uh, she just took the, took the space and educated me on what she was going to be doing for that mm -hmm. lunch. And I think um, a lot of people uh, who, if your workplace allows it, some workplaces are very creative and they understand working with creative people. And so they will have things available you know they'll mm -hmm. have a meditation room or they'll have a track mm -hmm. where you can you know go walk around the track and and uh, get give clear your head um but i think we it, it starts first as an inside job figuring out what is important to you and what ritual would you like to in, in include in mm -hmm. your life for stress relief um and or to clear your head midday or end of day or whenever um, I recommend daily stress management and a ritual can be part of that. Mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes we don't even think about stress management until we feel overwhelmed and frazzled. Agreed. Yeah. And then we go, oh, maybe I ought to do some, you know, oh yeah, people talk to me about breathing. Okay. Maybe I should breathe deeply. You know, maybe I should do some of this stuff. Yeah. And I say, well, just breathe deeply every day yeah. and make it part of your routine and have your morning routine be really slow and deliberate and calming and ease into the day and, you know, allow yourself that space and then educate the people around you. Hey, I'm going to, you know, go do my, uh, you know, two, two block uh, walk. Um, I'll see you in a little bit. Yeah. It takes so much less energy and cognitive overload to maintain stress levels than to get yourself back in a balance when you've been knocked off. So very, very wise words. Dr. Gina Simmons Schneider, author of Frazzle Brain, Breakthrough from Anxiety, Anger, and Stress Using Advanced Discoveries in Neuropsychology. Also the lovely, lovely website that I really spent a lot of time just clicking on every link, frazzlebrain.com. Gina, thank you so much for being on this show. And if people want to find out what you're doing, is frazzlebrain.com the best way to, to follow you or are there other ways? Definitely. You can find all my social media links. I'd love to hear from any listeners, what uh, any feedback, uh, any questions. I will get back to you and follow me on social media. You can find it all at frazzlebrain.com. And thank you, Leanna. It's been so fun talking with you. Thank you. This, is, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You're welcome. Bye-bye. When we come back on It's Not Therapy, you know I love cats. So we're going to talk about what you can learn from cats about rituals. It's cats, guys. You want to hang on. You know you want to hear this. <laughs> back in a bit. The following program is a peer-to-peer -peer advice show and does not diagnose mental health conditions. If you're seeking social services, please call or text 211 or go to 211.ca. We're back on It's Not Therapy. I am Leanna Kersner. I'm not a therapist. And as promised, I'm going to talk about what we can learn about rituals and stress reduction from cats. Yes, cats. I consider myself a cat person who also loves dogs. I have a dog. He is Loki, dog of mischief. He tries hard to be a cat. He's the cat's pet. But here's the difference between cats and dogs. Dogs thrive on routine. Cats thrive on ritual. I can set my watch to my dog. 
certain things have to be done at certain times or else. But my cats, my cats, you can change the time on my cats. You can even skip a day on something on my cats. But when it comes time to do the ritual with my cats, whether it's a brushing or a medication or even feeding them, that ritual has to be done with the right moves in the right order or, oh God, it is just not good enough. <laughs> right? You cat people feel me. If my dog's routine gets broken, it's a mess. He destroys things. He pees in inappropriate places if it's just pee and getting back on routine takes a while. My cats, my cats will adjust. They won't be happy about it. They'll let me know they're not happy about it. But when they get their proper respect through those agreed upon rituals returning, it is the best thing ever. Now, people are the same way. Some people are dog people and thrive on routine. Other people are cat people and thrive on ritual. There's no better or worse here. The world needs both types of people. But it's really important to figure out which one you are. Do you feel most safe and secure when things happen at the same time in a given day, week, month, year? Or do you prefer things get changed up as long as there are stabilizing activities you can do that you can rely on? Well, maybe it's a combination of both. They're definitely not the same thing. For me personally, routine bores me. I start to get depressed and distracted. I can't concentrate. I need to shake things up to stay motivated. But I definitely need structure. But my structure is gestures that have meaning. Things I can check in with. Those are extremely important to me. They're my guideposts in the crazy life I'm in by choice. I mean, my catchphrase is, your crazy is only a problem if it's hurting you. And your crazy is a problem if you feel unmoored. If you feel like everything is just out of control. If you feel like you can never get anything right. Rituals can help you feel like the world makes sense even when it doesn't. And again, they don't have to be religious rituals. They don't have to all be rituals from the same religion. Design something that feels right for you. Find something that, in the craziest of circumstances, you can perform something that makes it feel like everything's going according to plan. Pop culture reference, you know I love those. You may watch the show Cobra Kai. I know I do. I love that show. Cobra Kai is based on principles of energy. Good and evil are forces, and everyday stuff can shift the tide between good and evil. Mr. Miyagi from the old Karate Kid movies used chores, wax on, wax off, to teach muscle memory in karate that focused on defense. And the creators of Cobra Kai have translated that into the idea that work stuff, high school drama, karate tournaments, and major crimes, all those things are depicted on that show as having the same weight. And there's wisdom in that. Wax on, wax off, Daniel-san, right? 
You're never going to be able to convince your teenager that their current drama isn't the worst thing ever. Because to them, it's the worst thing ever. It's the worst thing they've ever gone through in their short life. So instead of downplaying that, take a moment and do something to make that moment special. To slow down time so they can remember that you were there for them when it was tough. Similarly, if your spouse is losing it over something you think isn't that important, it's not your business how important you think it is. Carve out some time. Be there for them. You don't have to talk about the thing you don't care about. All you have to do is show them that life has more facets to the stuff that sucks. That's how rituals work. Wax on, wax off. Simple things that make the hard stuff seem more understandable. With my personal clients, I like to celebrate failures as well as successes. Now, this may sound bizarre, but hear me out. Rituals aren't just about milestones in life. Rituals also mark deaths and breakups, job losses, other setbacks that are as much a part of life as weddings, bar mitzvahs, and promotions. So why not give the deaths the validity that they're due? They're major milestones. Now, this isn't about feeling good about what happened. It's about feeling okay about feeling bad. It's about creating structures to process the fact that things didn't turn out the way we wanted. I have a friend who recently went through one of the most slow-motion, horrific, god-awful breakups I've ever seen. His girlfriend of eight years... Eight years. Broke up with him at his COVID-delayed birthday party because she met a guy on Match.com. But, you know, the new boyfriend was totally okay with them still being friends and, you know, him still paying to take her to expensive places the boyfriend didn't want to go to. Ouch, not cool, right? So I called up a bunch of other guys, didn't necessarily know each other. The bunch of us went to Hooters. Why Hooters? Because the absurdity was part of this particular ritual. And it was a really fun time for everyone. It allowed my friend, who had a terrible thing happen to him, to feel like life was moving on. It turned the page. And I don't care if you agree with how we did it. The point is that it worked. It overlaid a good memory onto a bad memory. And that made the bad memory easier to deal with. And everyone who attended agreed that we should do it again. Not necessarily because of a horrible slow motion breakup. That's how you can make a modern ritual work for you and the people you care about. It doesn't have to be highbrow. It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be classy or lofty. It just has to work. The symbols don't matter. The details don't matter. The point is... That if you do it, and everyone involved gets meaning out of it, that's the purpose of ritual. And the ritual of the end of this show is upon us. If you have a question for me, next week's topic is about the anger and anxiety connection. How you can tell if something is anger, how you can tell if something is anxiety and various and sundry tangents, because you know I love my tangents. If you have a question, 
give me a call, 289-275-9600, or email me, Leanna at NotTherapyShow.com. That's L-I-A-N as in Nancy A at NotTherapyShow.com. Or you can send me a message on Twitter, Instagram, at NotTherapyShow. Again, next week, anger and anxiety, what's the connection? Until then, I'm Leanna Kersner. I am not a therapist. And remember, your crazy is only a problem if it's hurting you. Have a great week.